Ladies and gentlemen, Uzi here with another podcast for you all on the record with yours truly, Uzi. As you can tell, we've updated our graphics here some. It's updated on Twitter. It's updated here on Spotify. Hopefully, it'll be available here soon on the Apple Podcast and a couple of other platforms. We're excited to expand. We are excited to grow. Anyone who enjoys the content, feel free to follow or subscribe to the page, however it works, on whatever platform that you're listening to. With that being said, we're going to jump right into today's topic. We're going to be talking about the 6.6.0 PTB, the patch notes. We love talking. We're going to read it all for you all. We're going to not talk about it as much word for word as I did with the update notes because some of it just kind of overlaps. And there's some things I specifically want to talk about. And the last time I recorded this, it was about 45 minutes And I'm trying to keep it a little bit shorter just for you all until I get a true grasp on exactly how I want to set the direction for these podcasts. I want to keep it in a good flow. And I felt like I was going a little bit off topic during the last attempt. So with that being said, we're going to jump right into it. We have a new killer, the Skull Merchant. So we're going to firstly talk about the killer's power. So, it's a very interesting power indeed. It definitely gives me vibes of the night, forcing a survivor to leave the loop. But let me talk about it first before I go into more detail about that. It is called Eyes in the Sky. Inspired by the dark mangas created by her father, the Skull Merchant relentlessly hunts her prey using the latest in surveillance technology. The Skull Merchant starts the trial with four drones. Pressing the power button places a drone, which enters active mode after a short boot-up period. In this mode, the drone creates a detection zone around itself. Within it, the killer is undetectable, and survivors gain lock-on progress. The drone reverts to scouting mode when new survivors is detected for a while. In scouting mode, the drone begins a sweeping scan, and if it finds a survivor, it re-enters active mode. Survivors can interact with a drone to disable it. If they fail, it enters active mode. If they succeed, it returns to the killer, but the survivor is stuck with a claw trap. The special effect claw trap is a claw trap that broadcasts the survivor's location to the killer until the battery dies. If they get too close to the drone, it enters an active mode and the claw's trap battery is recharged. The killer can press the ability button to open a radar to see the locations of survivors with claw traps and those in a detection zone. The second special effect is called lock-on. This is for the drone. When full, the survivors is revealed by killer instinct while inside a drone's detection zone and suffers from the exposed status until the meter discharges or they are put into the dying state. What does this mean? Let's talk about it. I'm going to try to visualize this all for you to the best of my abilities. Imagine that you have a cute little drone and your back pocket is the killer. It pretty much takes, you know, one to two seconds to release it in the air as you're chasing the survivor. And at that point in time, that survivor is automatically forced to leave the loop because after eight seconds, they are exposed. And no one wants to be exposed. No one wants to be able to be insta-down. So the best thing you can do is leave the loop. It's a similar concept to the knight where as soon as he places his ability down at a loop, the survivor can run away and hide from it. Or do whatever they got to do. However, you can't even hide from this drone. You can't hide behind a rock like you can from a guard. You are 100% going to be seen by this drone. It actually goes through floors. It's multi-level. So it's not like you can just escape it because you're hiding. It's 
pretty crazy, actually. I think they need to work on that a little bit. But when it's in its detection zone, however, it does not see you behind walls and whatnot. But when it's in its active zone, it does. So, to give you all an idea, the claw trap is similar to the pig trap in the sense that it'll be on you and you have to take it off by doing a certain task. Based on my understanding, you just have to run for a while and it'll literally just kill the battery and then it'll be taken off. Simple as that. So instead of doing traps, you just kind of run around. So that may just happen from you searching for a generator. It can be as simple as that. But typically these specific drones are going to be placed at hex totems. They're going to be placed at maybe even exit gates. I'm not sure exactly what can be done or can't be done with these drones yet. Very early in the PTB. But it's definitely going to be placed around generators. So you're going to have to deactivate these to work on a generator unless you're willing to be exposed, knowing that the killer's across the map. So these are risks you're going to have to take. You're going to have to pick and choose your battles here, and whether you want to have this claw trap on you, which, once again, it just reveals your location to the killer if they pull up their radar. But we're still left into the same situation where you have to run away from the tile, and that is gameplay that I do not personally agree with. That defines the point of being chased by a killer when they get a free hit on you, Zoning killers and killers that perform these type of functions are just not fun to play against. It's just always been that way. For example, have you ever dealt with a Demogorgon that just activates their power and they just kind of zone you into a spot where you're forced to get hit? Have you ever dealt with a Pyramid Head that just drops their power down until you're forced to drop the pallet? Or try to play the 50-50 and then you get hit and you're just like, well that sucks. And if you try to vault the window, you just automatically get hit with the power. These are the things that happen. Even Wesker has a little bit of zoning. And even though people love Wesker and think he's a great killer and he's very balanced, he still has that zoning capability. It's just part of the game. These, you know, Every killer is going to have their powers and their upsides and their downsides, and we just have to try our best to counter it, and it's just another killer that we have to deal with, much like the knight. However, I think that this killer is not the worst killer in the game. I think this killer can be fun. I do think a couple reworks need to happen. I think the exposed status around a loop is extremely detrimental to positive gameplay. However, what I do think that would be extremely positive is to give the killer a haste effect. I don't know what percent that would be, but give the killer a haste effect when the drones are going down on upon you. And maybe make the killer instinct kick in a little bit faster. Who knows, right? get rid of the exposed status because first of all if i'm injured i don't care about the exposed status and absolutely nothing changes and i now as a killer gain absolutely nothing from it besides the killer instinct and depending on what kind of loop it is i gain absolutely nothing and i'm just a normal m1 killer at least given the ability to be similar to design like clown where i can at least you know put up more of a chase and you know try to catch up to the survivor better and try to utilize a couple mind games to catch up to them faster. I think that would be extremely cool, extremely fun, and if nothing else, I can just kind of brute strength it with enduring and spirit fury and force them to drop the pallet on my face. I definitely think that redesigning the drones in some capacity to benefit the killer more and just not hurt the survivor and make it more of a interesting chase for both the survivor and the killer would be extremely positive for the game. However, at the end of the day, I don't know if we're going to get that. I think that the devs are pretty fixated on keeping it t t in this state. The reason I say this is because the knight really didn't get many reworks besides the haste effect. And maybe they even added haste effect 
on top of the drone, but once again, if the survivor's exposed, they're just going to leave either way, and it doesn't really benefit. And if anything, if the killer gains that haste effect while inside the drone proximity, and the, the survivor stays there, that's just absolutely disgusting. So I think they're going to have to pick and choose what they're going to do there. Either way, I think that this killer has potential, but at the end of the day, I'm not totally sold on them. Before I move on to any of the survivor perks, I do want to talk about my conspiracy theory with this killer. So the Skull Merchant, you know, their their home is like a hunting camp on sheltered woods. The sheltered woods received a little bit of a rework to essentially have their base there. And for whatever reason, they have this claw on their hand that looks much like Predator from the Predator movie, which is really interesting. I see a lot of similarities with their design. It's interesting that they're undetectable while within the drone and in Predator, you can essentially camouflage yourself. The Predator has advanced technology where they can utilize that to their advantage, much like the Skull Merchant. Predator, they actually collect skulls like the Skull Merchant here. So my conspiracy theory is simply that they tried to work out some sort of agreement with the creators of the movie Predator, and it just didn't work out. So they tried to make this idea as original as possible for them, but I could be totally wrong. Maybe this was a completely unconscious thing and they didn't realize that they were putting so many things together with Predator and now it turned out like this. I definitely think that this killer has potential to be a fun killer and really positive for gameplay. I just don't know how in-depth their ability is going to be, how difficult it's going to be. It just seems like you're turning on you know, certain drones when they're inactive and there are the cooldown periods so it's not like you can completely abuse it. So... At the end of the day, I think that they have good counters to it by having cooldowns and having counters. However, I do still worry that there may be some sort of issues with the killer. But, you know, only time will tell. Anyways, enough about that. We're going to move on to the perks. We're not going to be talking about any of the survivor names. We're just going to be talking about the perks because I just want to kind of touch on the perks in some capacity because I have two in specific I really want to talk about today. The first perk for the killer is called Game of Foot. While you are chasing the obsession, this perk activates damaging generators and destroying breakable walls and palace gives you a 5% haste effect for 8 to 10 seconds. Whenever you hit the survivor with a total time in chase with a basic attack, they become the obsession. The killer can only be obsessed with one survivor at a time. As someone who actually enjoys playing as Pig, I would simply stack this with Brutal Strength, and I feel like I wouldn't lose as much distance. I know some people like running Fire Up with Clown on top of Brutal Strength, because one of the strats for Clown is also the pre-drop pallets. So I could see Game of Foot having a little bit of value here, and maybe you know trade one off the other, and then kind of use that haste effect to catch up on top of the invigoration from the Clown's bottles. I think that there's a little bit of synergy that's going on here, and I really like to see it. Let's move on to the next perk. It's called Thwack. After hooking a survivor, performing the break action on the next breakable wall or pallet will make survivors within 32 meters scream and reveal their auras for 4 seconds. Thwack is active for 45 to 75 seconds after the survivor is hooked. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. The reason I say interesting is because I think that there are small little applicabilities here when it comes to avoiding flashlight saves, avoiding any type of Sabu plays, Depending on exactly where you're at, maybe you have a survivor on a pallet, but there's a breakable roll right next to it, for example, on Dead Dog Saloon. And maybe you can gather some information that no one's nearby and that you don't have to worry about getting pallet slapped while grabbing the survivor. So, 
I think there's a little bit of applicability there. I don't really see it being as synergistic as the other perks are, but nevertheless, we'll move on to the next one. I'm not sure if synergistic is a word, but we're just going to move forward. Leverage! Each time you hook a survivor, gain one token up to 10. When you hook a survivor, this perk activates for each token. Reduce the speed at which survivors heal by 3-5% to for 30 seconds. So, I'm curious to see how this works. 3-5% to isn't much. I think that this is only going to really matter if you're just running an anti-healing build. By running Sloppy Butcher and a couple of other perks. Once again, it's more of that synergy type of build that we were talking about with Game of Foot. But nevertheless, I like the idea of trying to create more synergized builds. That never hurts. I, I'm never upset at non-meta perks. Sometimes they're fun to use. So moving forward to the survivor perks, we're just going to jump right into it. Cut loose. After performing a rushed fall in a chase, this perk activates. While active, your rushed vaults are silent for 4-6 to six seconds. And successfully performing a rushed vault during that time resets the timer. This goes on cooldown for 45 seconds. Once again, a nice little synergistic perk. I think it can be a, a nice little mind game on the killer, for example. If I double medium vault with this perk, uh, the killer, for example, might not know if I just vaulted once or twice because they're not going to hear it. And so when they're trying to do their mind game or what have you, and I can read the killer pretty well, I could probably have a free escape. Or I could definitely heavily reduce my chances of getting caught on a slow vault and getting hit. So a nice little perk here if you like double vaulting. Because that is something that I do like to do at times, depending on what killer I'm playing. So I don't really hate the perk at all. It's a, it's a nice little perk there. Friendly competition. Whenever you finish repairing a generator with at least one other survivor, this perk activates you and another survivor who finished repairing a generator with you get a 5% increased repair progress speed for 45 to 75 seconds. Survivors can only have one instance of this perk's ability to activate at once. I don't hate the perk. Once again, Deja Vu gives you 5%. Who cares? I, I don't hate the perk. I might even stack with Deja Vu just for a fun little build. Maybe prove thyself. I don't know. Just kind of see how quick it goes. But I, I don't hate the perk by any means. I, I don't see how applicable it's going to be unless you're running Prove Thyself. I really just see those stacking on top of each other. But either way, I don't hate it. Teamwork Power of 2. Whenever you finish healing another survivor, you both move 5% faster as long as you stay within 12 meters of the survivor you healed or until one of you loses a health state. Teamwork Power of 2 can only trigger once 140 to 180 seconds. Survivors can only be affected by one Teamwork Power of 2 effect at a time. The only instance I see this being problematic is because we have a perk just like it called Blood Pact. Blood Pact does the same exact thing, but it's with your obsession. So guess what? Those are going to stack, and I do not know how crazy that's going to be movement speed-wise. Especially if you stack it with Dark Theory, that's 114% movement speed. It's kind of disgusting. Maybe they'll remove the stackable ability there. But I think stacking in itself is problematic, so I think that stacking as a whole should be addressed across the board with many survivor perks, because I just think it's silly. And I'm not sure if Hope would stack upon that, but if stack would, I mean not stack, but if Hope would stack on top of it all, that would actually be above 115%, and therefore you'd be moving faster than the 4.6 meter per second killer. Interesting thought. Once again, it's not like you get too far with Dark Theory, but I still think it might be a little bit faster, even without the Dark Theory. I'm not sure. I haven't done the math on that. That was just a random thought. I just I actually did the math earlier for the other stuff before getting into this podcast. However, we're going to be focused on three more perks. I'm going to skip the first two, and we're just going to focus on the third one because I want to talk about the first two in two detail. 
Teamwork, collective stealth. Whenever another survivor finishes healing you, you both leave no scratch marks as long as you stay within 12 meters of the survivor who healed you or until one of you loses a health state. Teamwork, collective stealth can only trigger once every 140 to 180 seconds. Survivors can only be affected by one teamwork, collective stealth effect at a time. It doesn't bother me. Literally, we have lucky break in the game. That 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 does not bother me in any way, shape, or form. That also, once again, requires two teammates to be together. And odds are, if I see one and they're running it, well, the other one's right there. And I get so much information off of that. So, I definitely see with this update, if a lot of people are going to be utilizing these type of perks, we're going to get a lot of value out of discordance here. Because these survivors are going to want to stick together and utilize these perks as a whole. So, I, I would recommend running Discordance once this PTB is over and the official release comes out in early March. However, I want to talk about these two survivor perks called Background Player and Blood Rush. We're going to start off with Background Player. Background Player is, in my opinion, one of the most selfish perks that has ever entered the DVD scene. After you unhook another survivor, break into a sprint at 150% of your normal running speed for 6 seconds and gain exhaustion for 40-60 seconds. Nothing out of the blue there. This perk cannot be used while suffering from exhaustion. Exhaustion prevents survivors from activating other perks that cause exhaustion. That's disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting in so many ways. There is no benefit to this in any way, shape, or form besides the person that's unhooking. I absolutely hate it. I don't think it's a positive perk for the game. I will talk about what I think should be a adjustment to the perk here in just a moment. But I just want you to all think of this hypothetical situation. If you're the killer... And you are heading back to the hook because you have someone dead or just cleared your 3-gen and you don't want to be too far away from the hook since it's pretty close too. And you see this survivor get unhooked right in front of you. And you see the survivor that's full health but you want to be a nice guy to decide to chase after him or her. And next thing you know you see that survivor take out in a mad dash across the entire map because of background player. Guess what you're going to do at that point? You're going to tunnel. And as a survivor that just got unhooked, I'm not going to be mad at the killer for tunneling me. I'm going to be mad at the survivor for unhooking me. I think I would have rather just been reassured and left on that hook or ran keen ship and just chilled there for a couple extra seconds if I'm on my second hook state. I definitely wouldn't want to receive any type of assistance in regards to being unhooked if someone's running that perk because I already know I'm going to get tunneled as a result. And there's no reason to be mad at the killer for that. However, I think that this perk with a very, very simple change could be one of the greatest anti-tunneling perks in the game. Run background player, and then when I unhook a survivor, the survivor that I unhooked gains that effect. This would be the first time in DVD history where our exhaustion would actually affect another player, but I think that would be extremely beneficial and extremely positive for the game, and I'm a background player anyways. Who cares? I'm not the main act. So let me take the chase and let that person who's the main act who just got unhooked, who probably would want to be tunneled, be set free, get to a safe tile, get somewhere safe on the map. And if they have the off the record, they're going to have that off the record and be safe for quite some time because the killer is not going to be able to hit them immediately unless they're literally face camping. And at that point, that's why you have reassurance and kinship and other perks along those lines. So, background player would be a really simple fix that they would simply make it for the person that gets unhooked. That's all. I'm not going to talk too much more about it besides the fact that it's going to be a toxic perk and we're going to see a lot of people utilize it. 
and it's going to hurt a lot of players because they're just going to get tunneled and they're going to be really upset when they shouldn't be upset because it's actually the survivor's fault for running to begin with. But maybe background player will get changed into the state that I recommended because I think that's the best change for it. Blood Rush, another meta-defining perk that will be entering the scene without a shadow of a doubt. And if they're not, they're missing out. This could be one of those Dark Horse perks like Lucky Break that should be utilized a lot more, but once again, we'll see. Blood Rush, this perk activates once you are one hook away from instant death. While healthy, running, and suffering from exhaustion, press the active ability button 1 to lose a health state and recover from exhaustion instantly and gain the broken status effect for 20 to 28 seconds. You are automatically healed from injured to healthy after 20 to 28 seconds. Being put into the dying state will cancel the healing effect. Activating Blood Rush will disable it for the remainder of the trial. Exhaustion prevents survivors from activating other perks that cause exhaustion. Broken prevents survivors from being healed. So, if it's only a perk that you can utilize once a match, how is it so meta-defining, Uzi? Well, let me give you an example of why this would be so incredibly strong. How often do you have a survivor one hook state away from death, and you think you caught him in a good position, and you think that you can potentially get the down... And next thing you know, they sprint burst away. And you're like, okay, that's not too big of a deal, right? They're they're, ugh, they're only like, you know, five steps away because I caught them in a bad area. And then suddenly they sprint burst again. Whoa, 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 buddy, chill. What the heck? I didn't realize you were running black. I mean, background player. Jeez, oh, jeez, oh, what is going on? Jeez, oh, what is happening? Yeah, I mean, you just got six seconds of sprint burst. In a matter of seconds. And you're long gone. And I'm probably not going to catch up to you in 20 seconds. Because you're surely going to reach a safe tile within 20 seconds. Am I right? At least that's my guess. Unless I have some amazing mind game. That causes that survivor to go down within 20 seconds. It's probably not going to happen. And now that person who was on death hook. When there, I was trying to finish them off. To potentially seal the deal. And try to get the win. It's no longer an option. No longer applicable. That's why I think it's a potentially a Dark Horse perk because I think a lot of people aren't going to utilize it in the right way and they're just going to automatically hate it. Some people are going to be like, oh, I love my Dead Hard. And they're going to try to use it with Dead Hard and they're going to be like, wow, this doesn't work out. What the heck? Or they're going to try to do it with Overcome or some weird perk and they're like, it's not working. No, you're going to use it for Sprint Burst. And if you're not using it for Sprint Burst, you're going to be using it for Life. Life isn't going to get as much applicability as Sprint Burst, but nevertheless, you, you might be able to see it here and there. So... Sprint Burst with Blood Rush is absolutely disgusting. Like, literally, you gotta be blackout drunk to not see that this perk is absolutely disgusting. But, you know what? We'll see how many people actually take advantage of it in the right way. Once again, I'm gonna try to take advantage of these perks in the most disgusting way possible in the foreseeable future to kind of show you all how OP they really are, but... We can't even deal with it for Blood Rush right now. The problem with Blood Rush is that it is currently in a state of being bugged, and it's not even working. So, thank God, but at the same time, why? Because I want it to be abused now, so they fix it before the PTB comes out. I, I, I don't know how you fix this, though. You have to rework the entire perk. The only thing that I could even imagine you doing is increasing the broken status. At that point, that's the only thing I could foresee, but at that point, it probably wouldn't be worth it. So... But, I mean, I think that's the only thing you could do. Make the broken status at least 30 seconds. At least give the killer a chance. 
I don't think the devs thought very hard about how much this could be abused and why it's such a terrible perk because when someone's on death hook, it's usually in a pivotal moment of the match. And if it's not, well, then they're just being absolutely destroyed and it doesn't really matter. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just get them later. But if not, it's because I'm like, wow, this person needs to be dead. And I just see them just run across the entire map in a matter of seconds and it doesn't matter at that point. But anyways, everyone, that is about it. Everything else is just like little things like, you know, Shelter Woods got a rework that is now the Skull Merchants map. The visual updates went to the you know typical maps that we talked about in the previous PTB notes. So that's pretty much it, everyone. So thank you all so much for stopping by. I greatly appreciate you all per usual. Believe it or not, the last time I recorded this, it was literally 45 minutes. I might have mentioned that, but I was just like, wow, I, I went on too many side tangents. And so I wanted to shorten it up for you all because at the end of the day, I want you all to kind of hear the patch notes and you kind of hear about the things that I think are really important to notate, which is specifically the perks, the killer, the killer's ability. And so following that, that is about it. I hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you all so much for stopping by. And per usual, stay safe in the fog.